0: I could be like an announcer, like a man. I don't believe what I just saw! And, you know how I always make those interesting comments during the game?
1: Personally, I think you got hosed on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? Do you believe in yet? Well, you know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast
2: about a talk show host. this is in the booth talk show host that's good <laughs> i think i'd be good at that i talk to people all the time with matt park seth giggling about something should actually be in that open you can just put the mic out there you don't need to have a part of the pre-producer that's every day on the show seth finds something terribly amusing and <laughs> giggles it's his terribly unfunny giggles his way right down uh, uh. Right down the hallway. I call him Giggles. I know. Uh, good for him. He's high on life, <laughs> which is good. And we're off and running on uh, a hump day, Wednesday. Lots happening here. Really had a good get to know Polly session in the break room prior to the uh, start of the show.
1: I don't know if we can talk about this. <laughs> <down
2: here. laughs> I, it doesn't surprise me in the least that you had an earring. If that's a big revelation, I don't really consider that one. No, the I didn't the fact in that you had a team. dangling cross yeah like barry bonds oh well, really like that yeah, big yeah I had like a that, almost, that almost
1: touched his shoulder and i had a hoop a giant hoop earring uh-huh. too that i would wear a very color it was bag. more than
2: yeah it was more than just a little yeah.
1: hoop. no it needed to be seen from a really?
2: distance yeah really? everybody needed to know needed to know that you were
1: uh <laughs> sporting the ring you were a tough dude yeah is that what you're going for with the uh i don't know i you, earring no i think it's quite the contrary you know it's yeah. You're going for you're not a tough I dude. A you're metro. going for a sensitive, yeah,
2: feelings type person.
1: But yeah, we're nearing all through high school. Okay, went to Claire's boutique and got my ear pierced. <laughs> <Yeah>. and, uh, <laughs> was that running like nine ninety nine? Just looked kiosk. Then it was probably like two ninety nine back then.
2: Fayetteville mall or
1: uh, Camillus.
2: Camillus mall should have known that Camilla's you're Small.
1: you're a West Sider. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> that's very cool. And then I bought the earring at the place where you buy the chain by the by the foot. Yes, <laughs> I don't remember. You what mean that like that was a hardware called. store or no? Like, no, no the, jewelry. The jewelry store. Yeah. It was like a kiosk <laughs> that was in every mall.
2: Right. Picked up your orange Julius and yeah. went on home, huh? Yep. My Shelto Adidas. They don't my, make malls
1: quite like they used to, do they? Oh, I didn't realize we were going to talk about my earrings.
2: No. There was some other stuff going on there that, uh, that now escapes me. There was something else I was going to revisit. Oh, the uh, the vending machine racket. Do, do we think that uh, the boss man is on the take from no, the vending machine? If they're I think it's jacking the, v- the prices up,
1: I think the vending machine people are doing it because this the past two weeks it sold out. And so I think they, they must v-
2: think, well, they're yeah they're yeah. raising the cost and just going to see if it if it sells as regularly and. They can make it, more. It, so, but
1: it wasn't just a jump. It went from a dollar twenty five to two dollars. Yeah.
2: Think Ed. they'll think they'll adjust down if it doesn't Yeah, if sell it doesn't as, sell as well. Yeah. But if it does sell as well, then they've been leaving money on the table for a while here.
1: Not happy. They're about going
2: that. in for the gouge. I was
1: screaming angry yesterday. Are you on a
2: two a day habit? Three, four? What's well,
1: four or five. Really? Four yeah, or five yeah. a day. I have to buy my own now. I can't afford two two bucks a pop.
2: You bring it in. Yeah. Have to ice it down, or you go right in that, that cesspool of a cold, fridge. I mean, that's it, quite the, the fridge here. Is,
1: it needs to be cold. Despite and the best efforts
2: of some of the professional, responsible people here to manage the fridge, there's lots of notes. I don't eat in, in and place. around the fridge. You know, do, do this, don't do that. Make sure you wash. It's like a big botulism you know, party in there. Yeah, fridge. right. The freezer. There's a lot of stuff in the freezer. Not that I ever really look in there, but when I see when people do fire it open, the All kinds of things in there. There was an ice cream promotion, I know, going on here at one point. That seemed to be the last reason that anybody had to be in the freezer. But the break room, that's where the epicenter of activity around here at the worldwide headquarters of Galaxy Media. Well, uh, wasn't able to stay up for the game last night. It was kind of dragging. picked a bad day to to go to sleep early on my part because that one went, uh, what, 13 innings before – The Rockies ended the Cubs season and uh, postseason drama. Yankees get their share of it uh, tonight. Yankees and A's in a uh, winner advance, loser go home, single game playoffs. We'll be watching that. You can listen to it, of course, with John and Susan on uh, TK99. So we'll uh, certainly keep an eye or more on that uh, over the course of the show tonight. First, uh, well, we've had back-to-back days with managerial firings. Paul Mowater of the Twins yesterday, a year removed from being American League Manager of the Year. He's gonzo. Buck Showalter, very highly regarded, but uh, well-traveled. I'm sure he's been a Manager of the Year in his own right. Has uh, parted ways with the Orioles, which is not uh, totally unforeseen. But uh, now you'll look to see if any of these teams that have openings jockey for position to get any of these guys that have left. The Rangers, Jeff Bannister left let go as well. The Reds made a change early in the year, so Jim Riggleman is interviewed there with the former Yankee manager Joe Girardi, and we'll see uh, how that all shakes out. Get your resume ready there, Polly.
1: In uh, typical Buck Showalter fashion, does that mean the O's will go on to win the World Series very soon? Yeah, I don't know.
2: That's the thing with him. that The teams that he's left have gone on. Diamondbacks, Yankees both have... Uh, But he usually leaves them in the cupboard very full. I don't think anybody could argue he is a very, very smart, shrewd baseball man. The the old expression, you know, he's forgotten more than I know, that probably applies to Buck Showalter. He is a a thinker. He's a detail-oriented guy, maybe to a fault, uh, not around it enough to have uh, too much of an opinion about the type of job he does. The Orioles this year were completely overmatched. Uh, You could have had – Casey Stengel and Connie Mack and Tony La Russa and whoever you identify as the, the best managers ever. I don't know how many games you would have won with the, the Orioles this year. So that's why they're making a change. From what it sounds like in the reporting I heard on the way in today, uh, MLB.com and others talking about it, they basically said, look, we need to make a change. We're happy to have you in you know, six other roles that they could name, special advisor or uh, assistant general manager, those types of things, and community involvement. He was not interested in those So that leads me to believe that he's either going to retire, but probably not, because if he was going to retire, then you might as well take the cash grab of the assistant to the GM position. Those aren't exactly uh, necessarily taxing positions. Or he's going to uh, try to manage somewhere else. I did see somebody on Twitter today saying, well, if uh, the Cubs move on from Joe Madden, Joe Girardi would be a choice. First of all, no kidding, given Girardi's Chicago ties. But why would the Cubs... Move off of Joe Madden. It's just—it's crazy, people. Who, who are the Cubs all of a sudden? They—they they lose in the uh, playoffs, and now they're firing their manager. You know, the Cubs who never won anything. You know, a couple of years ago they win the World Series for the you know first time in 108 years.
1: Haven't they made the postseason every year under him? Like three. Yeah, years?
2: he's a really good manager. In, in pretty much every way you can be one. I'd so, take
1: that in a second as a podcast. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, You know, Angel's job is open with uh, Mike Socha stepping down, and there's some out there. We'll see how that uh, shakes out. But uh, October baseball, it's fun. saw our friend uh, Jason Stark on Twitter agreed with uh, something I thought. I think Brent Axe actually was the first one to put it out when I saw. Major League Baseball's got this um, kind of video that they've put out on on Twitter. It's a promo. It's a commercial. It might be running on, on television as well. Probably is. But hey, like let's rewrite the rules or sort of undoing the unwritten rules of the staid baseball. You know, you can't celebrate or you know don't show up your teammate. Well, in the postseason, everybody reacts. There was a guy last night for the Cubs that had a you know very emotional reaction to a walk in a key spot. That's pretty cool. Paulie's uh, bringing it up here, but uh, something to, you know if you love baseball this time of year, it, that's what brings it out. In people. So uh, good baseball stuff. Hoping for a good uh, Yankees A's game tonight. Yanks looking to move on to uh, take on the Red Sox, which they'll do with a win. We've got Adam Terry coming up on the show here in just a bit to talk orange football. What we want to get into with Adam primarily this week centers on not so much the X's and O's, but for me, a big theme this week is about the leadership of this team and how they deal with focus coming off. The missed opportunity at Clemson going into Pittsburgh, a place where Syracuse is a better team, hasn't won at Pitt in a while, uh, hasn't won a ton on the road, hasn't been five and one. You know these types of things that you're going to need to be at your best, play with some focus in order to uh, see all the way through. Forget about getting ahead of yourself to six and one and all of that. As fans, uh, we start to play that out. What's it like in the locker room? We'll ask Adam Terry as we continue. Your phone calls are always welcome at four three seven seven six four four. That's four ESPN forty four. Do we care today? We'll touch on a couple of those things, including uh, Buck Showalter moving on from uh, the Baltimore Orioles, and we'll get set again for the Orange and Pit Saturday is a twelve twenty start. No show on Friday. Tomorrow, looking forward to visiting with Ivan Mazel of ESPN. His thoughts on a little bit more of the national. College football scene and what does he view of Syracuse from afar? That's on tomorrow's program. Adam Terry, when we come back, just getting rolling today on a sort of dreary Wednesday here in downtown Central New York on ESPN Radio.
3: They said rules are rules. Don't stop and stare.
2: Toss that bat thirty feet into the air.
3: Don't flip your bat.
0: Respect the jersey. He didn't earn that right. They called him unprofessional. No celebrating. Keep your head down. Flashy, immature, showboat. They said it all. You don't have to do that. Get a little tired of it. It's something you do not do in baseball. No more talk. Let the kids play. World. This
2: is in the booth with Matt Park. Back in the booth, show brought to you by Marriott Syracuse Downtown. Good to have everybody along today, both in Syracuse and in Utica. Yankee baseball coming up tonight. Yankees and A's. Luis Severino on the mound for New York. So we'll have plenty to talk about with that tomorrow, I'm sure. Yanks, we have their season over, or we'll have survived this scare here about. They're faltering late in the season and Oakland coming on a tear and the Yankees going to be able to handle. They're going to have reliable enough pitching. Well, they're trying to get to the next series where they'll play a team that won 108 games this year. That's kind of a big deal. We'll see if they do survive that here tonight. Adam Terry coming up for you here in just a bit. We'll be back with Adam, get into his thoughts on the Orange football game against Pittsburgh Teams have played every year since 1955. Dino Baber's a one-time assistant at Pitt. In fact, his one-year coaching there, 2003, was the year that started this streak that Syracuse is looking to end this weekend. The Orange last one at Heinz Field was 2001. Next trip they went in there, they lost. Every other trip they've lost, including most recently, 2016. We'll touch base with Adam on the mental approach that ought to be taken by the Orange this week into another roadie on Saturday. Back in the Booth as we continue on ESPN Radio. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. Good to have you back with us in the Booth here on ESPN Radio in Central New York here until 3 o'clock today. Back tomorrow until 3. No show on Friday as we travel and then it'll be Monday back in the booth, looking back at Pittsburgh going into a uh, Syracuse football bye week. Adam Terry waited patiently there through the uh, emergency test. We appreciate your uh, patience and flexibility there, Adam. And uh, how are you today?
4: Doing well. Just getting ready for a uh, big game this week. Hopefully we come out 5-1 and one into the bye week. it would be, be a nice uh, little reprieve going into the bye week.
2: Sure, they're all big. And uh, we can get your thoughts on how teams go into the bye and, and handle that f- for sure. I thought a jumping off point this week would be that Baber's, you know, he's moving. He did his Belichick routine, not with the hoodie and not quite as gruff on Monday. And his version of, we're on to Cincinnati, is not coming off an embarrassing loss. It's actually coming off a loss that was anything but embarrassing. It was a missed opportunity on the road against a really quality team. And he wants everything focused this week. Why do coaches do that? And how important is it when you're talking about commanding the eighty person population in that locker room?
4: Well, I think the the if you look at what Dino's accomplished last year it was a little bit of um frenetic energy. You're you're bouncing around, you're coming off a big win against Clemson, and they saw that slide. They saw the slide going, yes, they lost Eric Dungey, but they saw the slide that occurred um after such a huge game. So the main thing going into this year is, you know, Brian Higgins spoke about it during the game, about the energy on the sideline, how it was extremely focused. And it was almost flatlined. There was no real extreme high, no real extreme low, but pretty flatlined. And that went from Dino all the way to, you know, the kicking game, and which was much needed during that game. So the main reason that a guy like Dino and his coaching staff would do this is, you're still dealing with very impressionable young men. You know, you're dealing with, at some extreme of the age of seventeen to you know twenty two year old guys. That it's an organization that really didn't know how to win. It's it's had to learn how to win, and they're doing that and they're accomplishing you know some significant feats of going four and zero. Last time was ninety one. You know, being nationally ranked in the top twenty five that was since two thousand and one. Um, and, you know, being on a team that was nationally ranked in 2001, uh, I played on that team and we had the likes of uh, Dwight Freeney, but there was really no other extreme player on that on that team. They had a bunch of solid guys. And that's what Dino has. And they're just trying to lay the foundation for the future of the organization for the for the university, but also to make sure that they're keeping these guys who are immensely talented on an even keel.
2: I sense that the seniors on this team are doing a pretty good job of setting an example for the others. Uh, it wasn't the first time I'd heard it, but Babers used the expression "Don't let your nightlife affect your day life," and I think you hear that more in the pros because they're grown ups with money and options, and they pursue nightlife like grown men and women of that age and those means do. But if you're a professional athlete, you know I'm sure you've seen it. You've had teammates and opponents who have you know, gotten on the wrong track and it's not helped them in their you know athletic career and helped their team. I don't know that you worry about that as much in college, but obviously there's some concern there. But I do, I do think he means it in more of a general sense, right? D- do the right things here. Stay in the game because you're a good enough team for this to work out well if you focus properly.
4: Sure. And, you know, I had a coach who used to say moths are attracted to the brightest light. And right now the brightest light on campus is – You know, a bunch of young, talented football players that historically have not seen that attraction. You know, it's been lacrosse, it's been basketball, but this has been the first time in a long while that Syracuse football has really drawn a lot of attention. So there are some, you know, clinger-ons, you know, some people that are not necessarily in the best um, light and best uh, responsibility for these guys to really attach themselves to, you know, I hearken back to, uh, I think it was 99, David Byrd and Giovanni Deloach out in public. And, you know, there's a big fight and they end up getting stabbed. And, you know, that deters everybody's career. You look at a David Byrd, who was a highly touted guy out of Albany, played at CBA and was a very good player. And that just derailed his career. So you, as a Syracuse player, you've got to understand that, some of these people would not be saying, Hey, great job. If they were one in five, one in four. So that's just the understanding that how Dino approaches winning. And I, I really admire the style. It's a style that I've seen with probably some of the better coaches that I've been around is, you know, it's great. You won a game, you won a game, um, you know, four in a row, but then you just lost the number two team in the country that you had on the rope. So dialing that back in and saying hey you had this one but we lost it we can't continue that throughout the rest of the season because last year you didn't get everybody's best effort now you're going to get everybody's best effort because now you're at the top of the heap you're at the top of the mountain some people are trying to knock the king of the mountain off and you know Syracuse isn't at the top yet but you know they they've put their way up towards the top
2: Adam Terry is our guest. who will be on the call with us Saturday. It's a twelve twenty start. The Orange and Pittsburgh at Heinz Field. This is Pittsburgh's homecoming game. And Syracuse is maybe going to play its way out in future years of being in the homecoming games. We were talking about it in the office this morning. That Doug Marone-led team that made it to the Pinstripe Bowl Played in, I think, like four homecomings in a row. You know, uh, the one at home and and uh, three or four on the road, and they had pretty good success in those games. You're scheduled on homecoming when the other team is pretty certain that they can beat you, and you're on Band Day when they know they can't sell any other <laughs> tickets to you. And there's been a lot of time where Syracuse has played a lot of homecoming and, and Band Day games. Uh, I sense from this team though that. For lack of a better description, they're serious, and and not that you haven't seen that in other years or or whatever. But the focus uh, to me looks there. We're not going to know and whether that plays out until Saturday. That's really the importance of this one on the weekend.
4: Sure, and you know, having Syracuse been in those band days, you know, when when we were playing in the old Big East, it was Temple. Temple, I think, probably played sixty consecutive homecomings just because of. Everybody knew that they were on the schedule; they could get a win. And Syracuse had has to relish that role this year of, hey, we're we're pulling ourselves up by the bootstraps. We have this upward climb and upward trajectory, um, and then just embrace it. There's no better feeling than upsetting, not necessarily upsetting, but defeating somebody in front of probably which at Pittsburgh will be one of their largest crowds. You know, you've got Pittsburgh and uh, you know a couple other games, but. As a home game, you're probably going to draw another 20,000 people because it's alumni weekend, or uh, mom and dad are coming and visiting their kids, uh, you know, for a homecoming game and walk around campus. So there will be some attendance there, not necessarily what we saw at Clemson, which was an amazing sight. But you know, Syracuse still has to go. Whether there's fifty thousand, five thousand, or eighty thousand in the stands, they still have to spot the ball up and and execute.
2: Adam Terry, our guest, the Orange and uh, Pittsburgh at Heinz Field on the weekend. Uh, the Pitt series, Adam, you've played your share. I always felt like Pittsburgh and Syracuse had a lot in common. They've played every year since the 50s. Uh, Doug Marone used to talk about that in terms of the way they uh, players are recruit, built, coach, their high school backgrounds. Did you sense that, and, and does Pitt stick out for you in any way?
4: Well, it is. I mean, you know, to to take Doug's comment about it, I was recruited by Pittsburgh. My finals, my final five visits for one of them was Pittsburgh. I went and watched Pittsburgh play Notre Dame in the last game in Pitt Stadium. So I know Pittsburgh extremely well. It was coached by Walt Harris at the time. And they're recruiting a similar similar kid. And now who can really notch themselves up? This game is really who can notch themselves up in the recruiting battle. You know, Pittsburgh, you're getting a lot of snow. Syracuse, you're going to get a lot of snow. Really, the differentiating factor is the dome compared to playing outside in a NFL stadium. So I, I love the matchup. I think the rest of the season for Syracuse is if they can execute with the players that they have, they're, they're going to be in a great position. You know, you, you look at this game, it's a winnable game. They're all winnable games the rest of the way out. Um, you know, even Notre Dame or Boston College at the end of the year, those are winnable games. Before we weren't nece- we weren't talking like that. And to go into Pittsburgh, it's a must-win because it's going to show how that team responds to. Um, uh, it was a major loss. You know, they were they were in it till last few minutes of the game and gave up a touchdown at the end. Um, but that's all, That also shows where the program is going, but also how much more it has to climb. So I think that's the message throughout the week is, hey, you guys are a pretty good team, but if you're not focused and you don't execute on game day, you can be ju- you could go on a slide just like last year.
2: Uh, in terms of their personnel, Cadre Olison, 225, will be one of the biggest uh, running backs they see this year, this side of A.J. Dillon at uh, Boston College got a wide receiver that's averaging 22 yards a catch, kind of a middle of the road quarterback. It looks like mixed results in his career. What do you make so far of the Panthers in a 2 and 3 season?
4: I think I think the main thing for Syracuse looking defensively is Brian Ward had their defense in the right spot on a couple, you know, a couple big plays, you know, and what it came down to is, you know, did you pinch far enough on the backside or did you pinch too far on the backside? And Travis Etienne bounced it outside a few times. Now with a bigger running back, you don't necessarily see that. With a Dylan from Boston College, you would. But when you're looking at Pitt, they're going to, you know, it's a slobber knocker. Those Chris Slayton and Bear Williams are going to have to be stout in the middle. And, you know, Evan Foster coming from that safety position is going to have to be a, a sure tackler because it's going to start to get to the second level. Facing a team that's going to pound the ball at you, there are some runs that are going to to break a little bit, and you've just got to keep it in front of them. And towards the end of the game last week, I wouldn't say they were exposed, but they showed um, that they do miss tackles. And there weren't a lot of them, but towards the end of the game, they were were a little bit more um, repetitive. And the main thing is Syracuse can go and, and really dominate this game. It's just about, I don't think it's necessarily about what Pittsburgh can do to to, to Syracuse. It's what Syracuse can do to themselves if they self-inflict any, any detrimental plays or penalties.
2: It won't be 76-61, uh, but that was a lot of fun uh, two years ago. We'll see what kind of uh, back and forth it is on Saturday. Two more quick ones. One is on the long snapper, Matt Keller. He's done for the year and uh, for his college career, which is really unfortunate in his case. How big of an issue is that, Adam, at that position, going from a senior and really a four-year player to a, now a freshman, Aaron Bolinsky?
4: Yeah, I mean, for, for Keller right now, it, it's, it, you know, it's sad. It, it's one of those that his team really has to rally around him because he's such an integral part. And then conversely, he has to be a mentor and a leader to to the young buck that's going in there right now. That's a, It's a very underestimated play. You know, having a center quarterback exchange, the center and the quarterback touch the ball every play. And then the closest to him is going to be the long snapper and the punter at each exchange. So, I would go after I would go after the wedge, the wall a little bit more because the ball might come back a little bit slower or it might be higher. So this does play a little bit of a role. But you know the great thing is is you've got um, Schmidt and then you've also got Hoffrichter, you know, kicking the ball. So so Hofrichter being a savvy senior kick, punting the ball, he's in safe hands. He should make uh, Belinsky look a little bit better than what he might be.
2: Yeah, I agree, and we'll see how it goes. At least he's stepping into solid units across the board, and and uh, definitely keep an eye on uh, the way that plays out. The Orange have been very strong in special teams. They're going into one of the toughest stadiums to kick in. Certainly, as a former Raven, you know your way around Heinz Field, Adam, and uh, it's a great setting for us. And uh, outside of the press box, manage point, good place to to watch it. The one thing I would say. Uh, for what it's worth on that is that Matt Keller, for a different injury, missed basically all of training camp. And while Bolinsky then snapped and worked in a rhythm with those guys, it looked like maybe he was going to play in the Western Michigan game. Keller was able to recover. But Keller was on a scooter kind of around those guys all the time and and working with them and coaching them up a little bit. So I would imagine that that will continue even in a tough week for him. Last thing, I want you to prove or disprove my position yesterday. We had Cam Lynch on. And Cam is on his bye week with the Bucks. He was in Houston visiting family, and he said he was going to the Drake concert last night, which led Polly to question, "Where does where and how does Cam Lynch get his Drake tickets? What does he pay for them?" And I said, "He's in the NFL. He's got a guy. So you need to prove or disprove. Like an NFL player is not paying face value for tickets, right?"
4: Depends on how good of an agent is he has uh, yeah okay you know so so for instance for me it, it, i had a I, I i was represented by octagon my first few years and then i had a another agent peter schaefer and they were very well connected so yes i might not have been the, the high man on the totem pole but usually uh because of a high man on a totem pole or the legacy of a uh agency they had more than enough connections I, I, I look at the first bed that I ever got when I was in the NFL. It showed up on my front doorstep. I said, where did this come from? He says, you know, you need to get a good night's rest. And ever since then, I've been a, a uh, uh, I'm not going to give any plugs on here, but <laughs> the mattress that I got was, was a phenomenal mattress. And it, it's really contingent upon how good your agent is. I like it. If your agent's well-connected, it's an easy go. You don't pay for anything. You show up, you tip well, and, you know, you have a good time.
1: I also have a question now, because we were talking about something when the, the show started earlier. You're did, not
2: getting a mattress to no, the no, okay.
1: did, did Adam Terry rock an earring in high school? Were you an earring guy in high school?
4: Uh, no, but if I did, I probably would have been wearing a, a pirate costume. <laughs> and, you know, that never really happened, so... It, you know, never, never a double earring guy. Never a single stud earring in there. Um, yeah, so I'm not for lone, me.
1: I'm the lone badass no, of the bunch. Did Higgins I, I, I have any you Higgins an
2: earring?
4: <laughs> Higgins, are
1: you kidding? Me? <laughs>
2: Stop. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're we're not the earring. So I was the lone here.
1: earring. In our broadcast, broadcast booth, yeah. Th- that, that did would you have be an the bull ring
4: pick. through the nose?
1: No, I had I had a
4: that was cr- just earring
1: earring Barry Bonds cross that would hang down. Uh, all the I
4: could picture that. I yeah, I can see that, Polly. <laughs>
1: and the t- I can picture he had a tail, that double too.
4: double hoop with yeah. a cross at the bottom. Yes,
2: yes, very much. A so. tail Gold. and a belly button ring.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Adam. Our pleasure, boys. See you in Pittsburgh. All right,
2: sounds good, Adam Terry. Adam lives in Rochester, so he's going to meet us there. It's a little uh, shorter trip than coming all this way to get on the plane. That's shocking to me. Shocking that he didn't have an earring? Yeah. No. I thought that was like an NFL. No, he's like a grown-up.
1: I was 16. You know? I haven't had one. I, I pulled it out at 18, and it's not I making mean, since.
2: I could sort of, when you said it, I could sort of picture it on Adam, but Adam's a pretty uh, serious, like he's going for his MBA right now. Do you yeah. know that? You're like, he's he's not an earring guy. All right. I want to have you uh, hear some of the thoughts of Dino Babers talking about this idea of leaning on his team's leadership. And for that matter, the culture around the team for him is an important thing coming off a loss and going into this opportunity at Pittsburgh.
3: We work hard on our culture. And the thing that I really want to do is, I really want to be consistent with these young men. I don't want to be wishy washy, I don't want to be gray. If they do something wrong, they know what's going to happen. They do something right. They know what's going to happen. And I think that consistency is what's got to transfer over to the football field. Now, I believe this team has it. Okay? I believe they have it. I think they they are. I don't want to say it yet because I don't want to jinx it. Okay? And I don't think they're occasional. But we have to prove it. And this is an opportunity right now to prove it. We've had a setback. It's our first one of the year. Now, what are we going to do
2: now? In your Dino Babers guidebook, what he's referring to there is another one of his sayings, be consistently good, not occasionally great. He's saying he thinks that is the case, but doesn't want to jinx it just yet. And here's this on the sense he got from the team on Sunday coming in that uh, may have provided a little boost to the head coach himself in transitioning the focus this week.
3: Even the attitude when I came in here yesterday that, I mean, they, they picked me up. You know, they picked me up yesterday with their attitude there. They just seem like they're mature. There's not a lot of riffraff going on. And when it is, when something like that does go on, if it's not in the right situation, uh, it's handled very quickly by the leadership on this football team. And I think when you have that, you have a chance you have a chance. It doesn't mean you're going to win. It doesn't mean you're going to be good. It just means you have a chance, an opportunity to come back and go about your business this week the right way. That gives you a fantastic opportunity to finish the week and go into the bye week the right way.
2: Yeah, what he's getting at there, riffraff. He means you know anybody coming in and mouthing off about not getting enough touches. Anybody coming in doing backflips about their individual performances off a loss. He's saying there's none of that, and that the focus is where it needs to be, headed into this next game. And there's a buy coming up. You can regroup after this next one, and then you head into back-to-back home games. A win this week, I think, is really going to do this team well. A loss makes you scramble a little bit. How good are you now? You're, you know, you're four and two. You've got a losing record in the conference, et cetera. You win, you're two and one. You, the only team you've lost to is undefeated. You come back home with a, a week off to regroup. And then uh, an opportunity to play back to back home games, one against a North Carolina team that struggled, although it did beat this Pittsburgh team. And then NC State, who's off to a pretty good start. So that's what is to come for uh, the Orange football team. What is to come for us in the booth? Do we care? That's next on ESPN Radio. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No way. The other thing.
0: Tedious. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care, Don't care. All right. First up, Baltimore is making a change in the manager department. They uh, send Buck Showalter on his way. Uh, he led the Orioles to at least eighty-one wins in five straight seasons, reached the playoffs three times, including an appearance in the ALCS in twenty fourteen. However, last year they went seventy-five and eighty-seven. This year they went forty-seven and one-fifteen.
2: Yeah, just historically bad team this year, at least overmatched team. Let's put it that way. And Showalter is universally respected as a good baseball man. I think he does probably wear out his welcome in some of these places. I wonder how much he would even want to stick around. And he's already been through the lumps of fielding, you know, a four A type team this year with a couple of the stars, but then uh, other guys that are not in their major league prime. You lose. That's what happens. You lose 115 games, and then obviously Chris Davis, another guy. They had some underperforming players. They trade away Manny Machado. Does he want to do what is next for the Orioles? And is he the best guy to do it? I think he does uh, stand for playing baseball the right way. I could see him uh, being a pretty good leader for a young team. But I also think he's a dying breed in baseball. And they're probably going to get a different type manager there in Baltimore it will be somebody's first managerial job.
0: Can't you make the argument that given what he did in with the Yankees, with the Diamondbacks, with the Rangers, and with the Orioles early in his tenure, he would be the perfect guy to lead this? You could.
2: I mean, you know, but he's a guy, people that want to bash him, or maybe even this isn't to bash him, will say, you know, when he was with the Diamondbacks before they started, you know, he designed the socks. and how, Well, that's his thing. You know, he's an every detail guy, and that would be a positive. I could see him potentially – Doing that, um, I liked him for his star turn in Seinfeld and his various uh, cameos there. But uh, he'll show up somewhere. He'll definitely be in television if
1: nothing else. Could they have played anybody else at first? Like anyone yeah. else in their system at first base and had a better outcome?
2: Of course. I mean, every like a real five player position. Or every position on every team in baseball hit better than one sixty-eight with what you know what I mean. So yeah. it was literally the most underperforming. Forget about that. It was first base. You know, if you just at random, the, you know, the, uh, I'm, you, I'm only thinking of playoff teams right now, but the, t- the Twins' second baseman produced at a higher level. The whoever batted second, whoever hit third for the Twins all year long, obviously outperformed Chris Davis. You know, to me, that's a throwing good money after bad type deal, or maybe it's just one horrific year. Maybe he's had personal off-the-field issues or or whatever, I don't know well enough to to say for sure, but it's an all-time historically poor year, and uh, after he's gotten a big contract,
0: his WAR was minus two point eight. Uh,
2: but even that, that doesn't sound like a lot.
0: That's that's pretty bad.
2: I know that, but I mean, it's, it's you're saying it's
0: like wild to think that he's that far below.
2: You know, that's. In essence, contributing to three
1: losses. We need a nerd stat sounder. Yeah. For one. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. sorry.
0: Uh, top wide receiver recruit Jaden Hazelwood reopens his commitment, uh, his recruiting after committing to Georgia originally. Miami's and other Miami and other schools had been pursuing him, even though he was committed to Georgia. He's scheduled to take a visit to Miami soon. A couple other schools uh, are expected to get involved. He was the number one ranked receiver in the class.
2: Can't say I care that much.
1: Unless he's coming to Cuse,
2: yeah. I mean, come on. I, I'm not a big recruiting guy. Not why somebody would commit to Georgia and then back out. I mean, Georgia's pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what you're looking for. There aren't a lot of things that you can improve on if uh, Georgia's one of your options.
0: And how about this? Money flowing towards the A's in Vegas in the second half of the season. They were 500 in mid June. They were 250 to one long shots to win the World Series. So people started to place five and ten dollar bets and. Casinos kind of got inundated with them. Oakland got hot, played their way into the postseason, and now uh, they could they could get crushed if Oakland were to go win the World Series.
2: They could. Uh, still a long way before they do uh, win the World Series. I'd be curious to know just how many of those bets that are out there. Vegas knows what they're doing. That's how, how and why they set the odds where they do. But I could totally see people that uh, had a few bucks, particularly if they were A's fans to begin with, seeing that as an option.
1: Let's hope they're playing on Saturday.
2: Yeah, I mean, the A's are a team that uh, a lot of (laughs) people. Friday,
1: Friday, whatever. Saturday, too.
2: A lot of people couldn't name most of the A's, I would think, including Chris Davis. (laughs) Hit 40 home runs for them, different than the other Chris Davis of Baltimore that we just identified. We saw Chris Davis uh, on a trip early in the year, uh, saw the uh, Orioles-Phillies game, on a day game down there at Camden Yards, and he did not have a good day. He was not close. He had a lot of those. A couple of times. Yeah, I mean, you kind of feel badly for a guy because how does somebody suddenly fall off the map to that radar? All right, Seth, thank you. Go get your ears pierced. That's okay. Seth. Polly, going to get his uh, trimmed up. I can see you back in an earring before the year's out. Halloween coming Maybe up. Maybe
1: before the end of the day. I yeah. got him in my car from <laughs> yeah, last
2: Halloween. I like it. Get that ice cube ready. All right, back tomorrow. Ivan Mazel of ESPN will join us in the booth.